It is Friday, which is awesome. It's the end of the week, end of the month, and the start of a new day of CNN Student News. Hello, everyone. My name is Carl Azus. Let's go ahead and get started. Permanent observer or non-member observer state. Now, there might not sound like much of a difference between those two terms, but if you ask some Palestinian officials, the difference is huge. Yesterday, the United Nations voted to upgrade the status of the Palestinian Authority. Palestinian officials have been pushing for this. They think it'll give them some leverage in negotiating with Israel. But Israel and the United States have been against this upgrade. They argue that it won't have much of an effect on efforts to create a Middle East peace deal. When you hear about drones, unmanned aircraft, you might think about them flying over Afghanistan. These are remote-controlled vehicles, and they're used a lot by the U.S. military in the fight against terrorism. But drones could start popping up in the skies over the United States. Lisa Sylvester looks at the capabilities and the concerns that might come along for the ride. Right now, only groups with special FAA permission, like the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, can operate drones in the United States. But that is going to change. Congress has asked the Federal Aviation Administration to find a safe way to expand the use of drones or unmanned aerial systems domestically. The bottom line is that by 2015, the FAA has to have a comprehensive plan to open the airspace to both public and private UAS. Think of the potential from crop dusting to news traffic reports to surveying land to monitoring forest fires. There's a big industry pushing the federal government to open up the skies, arguing these unmanned aircraft systems are safer and less expensive. Unmanned aerial vehicles or drones can be as large as a fighter jet or only just a couple feet long. And people have actually been flying unmanned vehicles or even model airplanes for years, but with certain restrictions. They can't fly them above 400 feet or in certain areas like airports without running into problems with the FAA. That brings us to one of the problems the FAA is trying to solve. How to ensure safety if the sky suddenly become a lot more crowded. Some of the larger concerns are the construction of the uh, aircraft, uh, who's piloting them, the actual bandwidth. Also uh, taking a look at some of those social issues, which uh, we've all uh, started to look into as far as privacy. It's the privacy piece that Representative Edward Markey is most concerned about. Could prying paparazzi hound celebrities? When can drones be used by law enforcement to gather evidence? And what about the information gathered by the drones? Is it possible that this is just going to be a, a rampant uh, eyes in the sky uh, gathering information about Americans with no rules whatsoever? During the 2012 U.S. presidential election, Barack Obama and Mitt Romney only came face-to-face -face four times. They had their three debates and a fundraising dinner. On election night, President Obama suggested another get-together. In the weeks ahead, I also look forward to sitting down with Governor Romney to talk about where we can work together to move this country forward. That meeting happened yesterday. The former opponents got together for lunch at the White House. Now, we don't know exactly what was said. There were no news media allowed. But a White House statement said President Obama and Governor Romney talked about America's role in the world 
and they promised to stay in touch with each other. See if you can ID me. I was born in Germany in 1879. In my early life, I worked in a Swiss patent office, but I'm known as a famous physicist. And in 1921, I won the Nobel Prize for Physics. I'm Albert Einstein, and you've probably heard about my theory of relativity. Won a Nobel Prize, came up with a theory of relativity. It's no wonder that a lot of people think of Einstein as a genius. And that's why there's a lot of interest in the organ that did Einstein's thinking, his brain. Some photographs were published recently that show Einstein's brain after he died. Scientists were eager to get a look and see if there were any clues to the famous German's genius. Dr. Sanjay Gupta has more on this. Let me just say as a starting point, uh, you know, for the last nearly half century now, people have been fascinated with trying to figure out what was it about Einstein's brain that might be different. And once you take a look at these images here, uh, it's, it's a good place to start, specifically looking at all those ridges and valleys on the brain, these convolutions that are sort of, they develop as the brain is developing and as someone ages. What we do know about his brain is that he had more of these ridges and valleys. And the reason that's significant is if you just think about that, as a result of those increased ridges and valleys and convolutions, you get more surface area. You got more neurons and you have more capacity for different parts of the brain to talk to each other. It doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to be more intelligent. I think you can best say that they have the capacity for higher intelligence because of that increased surface area of neurons. There was also a couple of other things that people really honed in on, again, in terms of differences. Uh, take a look at this image over here. Uh, that's frontal lobe area. And in most people whose brains have been examined, that area of the brain is fused. Uh, but if you look at that red line there, that's an area of the brain for Albert Einstein where it was actually split. This is an executive area of the brain. This is where you implement things, get things done. Uh, he had uh, higher executive sort of capabilities there. Again, it doesn't necessarily correlate directly with intelligence, but it does correlate with this idea that uh, if you have significant thoughts, to be able to do something with those uh, it could be uh, you could have a greater capacity for that. A lot of people ask, you know, what, what does it mean for us? Uh, could my brain be like Einstein? These weren't all things that he was born with. There are certain areas of the brain, like look at this area over here, that sort of upside down horseshoe. That's an area of the brain that's responsible typically for motor control of the hand, in this case the left hand. And now you look at that area and you realize that because it's bigger like that, it's typically associated with someone who's very good with their hands. In this case, uh, Einstein was a musician, played the violin. But that is not something that people are born with. That is something that develops. And that gives us a little bit of an insight into other parts of his brain as well that may have increased in size, may have increased in capacity as a result of all the work that he was doing. Fascinating stuff. Back to you. Make no mistake about it, uh, HIV may well be with us uh, into the future, but the disease that it causes need not be. Uh, we can reach a point where virtually no children are born with the virus, and as these children become teenagers and adults, they are at a far lower risk of becoming infected than they are today. You heard Secretary Clinton mention the disease that HIV causes. She's talking about AIDS, which stands for Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome. Tomorrow, December 1st, is World AIDS Day. It's a time to support the millions of people living with this disease and to honor those who have lost their lives to it. 
Around 34 million people around the world have AIDS. New cases are recorded every year. But the number of new cases is decreasing. And yesterday, Secretary Clinton announced a plan that aims to get rid of AIDS. It focuses on preventing the spread of the disease and improving treatment for people who have it. Thank you all very much. CNN heroes, ordinary people doing extraordinary things to make a difference in their communities. We know who this year's top 10 are. On Sunday night, an all-star tribute honors them and announces the hero of the year. A special program starts at 8 p.m. Eastern on CNN. Then the CNN Heroes tribute is at 9 Eastern, 6 Central. It's this Sunday, so check it out. When you step off an airplane, you might hope to be greeted by a friendly face. Not this one. It's what visitors to Wellington, New Zealand are coming face to face with for a few months, though. Gollum can be a larger than life character in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies. And at this airport, he's just larger than life. The 43-foot sculpture is 43 feet high, and it's part of a publicity campaign, but it's only going to be up for a while. So we don't think this kind of thing is going to be habitual. And I don't think anybody's going to make the mistake of calling it cute, although some might see it as precious. Calling it that, though, would take some Gollum. We know these puns will get a ringing endorsement for some of you, but we really only have two options. More, door, nah, we're just going to bag them. Those of you who follow the Lord of the Rings are like, okay, okay. The rest of you are like, so we're just going to end it there. We'll see you next Monday with more news and more puns. Bye now.